Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Neil Aquino. Neil Aquino is a one of what I call a premier activist here in Houston, Texas. Actually, he covers not only Texas, but the entire country, including visiting Cincinnati and doing a few things every so often. Anyhow, Neil, welcome to Politics and Right. Very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, Egberto. Absolutely. So, Neil, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is on July 8th, the Texas legislature goes back into action. We had some Democrats that did the right thing. They walked out during the uh, attempt of our legislature to really create some suppressive voter suppressive laws. Uh, First of all, what are your thoughts as far as what has occurred thus far? Then we'll go into what we need to do going forward. Well, at at core, we've got We've got a majority in the Texas legislature that doesn't want to live in a multiracial democracy. Um, I think we should just cut through it. And um, they are willing to do whatever they need to do to to make sure that we don't live in a successful multiracial democracy. And um, I, I know the argument is always demographics will come and switch. I've been hearing that for the, you know, the part of oh, the state over to Democratic. I've been hearing that for the 22 years I've lived here. So I don't I don't take it as an automatic, but they're obviously afraid of of something, and they're they're fueled by this lie that the election was stole for Trump, and they're authoritarian, they're autocratic, they're bigoted, and they're not, not afraid to, to to tell you at this point. What one of the things I love about what you do, um, you over for over a year now, you have been uh, protesting in front of I think Cornyn's uh, Senator Cornyn's office for the for how many how many months now? Uh, four years. Two um, next week, next Tuesday, eleven thirty to one fifty three hundred Memorial Drive will be week two hundred and twenty nine. Oh, over four years. Over four years. Yeah. That that is what Mister and and it has always been peaceful, and you've always gotten the crowd. That is what's so amazing. Tell me a little bit about, more about that. Well, I'm 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 maybe it's it's a leaderless group. Um, basically, it's a very autonomous group. Uh, we're not affiliated with any party with any. Um, candidate. Uh, there's no no money that comes into it. So it's a group of people. Um, we generally have 15 to 20 a week. We'd love to have more, but we're pretty proud of getting 15 to 20 a week through uh, through the floods, the heat, the cold, you name it. Um, and we're at Senator Cornyn's office on Memorial Drive with our own signs, our own flags. Initially, it started, you know, like a lot of those move on protests on Tuesdays after Trump won. In fact, there's still one going on in um, North Carolina, I believe, at Senator Tillis's office. And it has become still about Senator Cornyn, but it has become very much um, a thing about civil liberties, the right to assemble, making clear to our friends, to our foes, to police, that we will, we will show up on our own um, no matter what. And I, I, think, I think it's very important to show up. We are very focused on showing up because what elections matter. There is a moral difference between the two parties. But on the other hand, the system will accept the outcomes the system produces. Police will defend those outcomes. And we need to, whatever we've been doing, thank you to everyone who's doing the work. Um, But here we are on the precipice of a point where we can't even guarantee free elections anymore, right? Even, Even that conventional deal, okay, We'll accept the political system. It'll rip us off. But at least there can be some progress and we can have a free election. 
But now that's not even guaranteed. And on top of that, the weather is crazy. So I think uh, I think folks ought to show up for themselves uh, along with voting. And that's our point. Excellent. Well, um, as it turns out, I just had uh, Greg Palast on a few minutes ago and he was discussing. Uh, he actually got on camera how voter suppression is actually being affected by uh, Republican operatives and how uh, they're, they're doing it. And it is something that is going to be coming down here as Texas's legislature meets on July 8th. What do you expect out of that? Oh, boy, a whole, a whole lot of cruelty. Um, there'll be the voter suppression. And let's be sure when we're talking about voter suppression, we're talking about voter suppression. But we're also talking about state legislatures with the intent of overturning elections. I mean, that's what Trump would have done. I think you done. need to explain that because a lot of people don't understand. It's not about stopping people from voting. Also, they, they've actually they're considering instituting a law that gives them the option to overturn an election. If just somebody says, oh, there is some fraud here proven or not. Talking about not just voter suppression, but the ability to overturn elections. So we're seeing the ridiculous audit in Arizona, uh, the uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia who did the right thing um, after 2020, but he's talking about taking over the Fulton County, which is Atlanta um, um, election board. Um, we're seeing uh, state legislators in, in some of these voter suppression laws, it's easier to overturn elections in addition to the suppression. In the Texas bill, that legislation was in there. Um, that was part of it. Judges can overturn elections with lower standards of evidence than before. They're saying, oh, oh we don't know how that got in there. But it's, you know, these things are cookie cutter written, sent to Republican legislatures. And we should remember that these, these state legislatures have tremendous power. Um, so you see they're negating all of our city laws um, across the, in Galveston, they can't even have a plastic bag ban choking the turtles um i mean it's incredible and so they, these they, they only want they only want local rule when it helps the oligarchy the plutocracy the oil companies i mean denton texas i think i think was the name of the the the, the town uh it's a republican town that they decided they didn't want drilling x amount of distances from homes because of the pollution that it causes and immediately, Greg Abbott decided that law can't be, so they overturned local law and superseded it with state law. So, you know, we know that it's even 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 those uh, mom and pop Republicans that think they're Republicans, they need to understand that their party is not really for them. Their party represents solely the oligarchy, and they are just the the uh, the cogs in the wheel to get the job done. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I want to, I want to keep hope alive. Like, like, uh, Jesse Jackson always said, um, and still says, um, a lot of these Republicans, I, I want to believe there's rank and file out there who, who can see the light. Well, keep hope alive for that. Um, the, you know, these state legislatures have tremendous power and it seems to me that the base of the party is in many respects, respects, what's moving them to the right. I think there's millions of folks who never knew they could be so freely bigoted and cruel and that it would hold currency in public policy. Um, and I, I think you're seeing a move towards, towards not just voter suppression, 
but but overturning elections. And what's interesting, for example, when Beto O'Rourke was here, so I, I think that there has to be, you know, elected officials and establishment figures and then non-establishment and rank and file. Um, so Beto O'Rourke was here for a Sunday rally in a park a couple of weeks ago, and he spent five minutes talking about the rise of Hitler. So here's Beto O'Rourke, this establishment figure. He's talking about the rise of Hitler. My step, state rep, Ann Johnson, who's a, who's a good person, um, always from the moderate ring, wing of the party. I'm happy to support her. Um, she's using words like democracy itself. John Rosenthal, another moderate state rep, saying as soon as they overturn an election, that's, that's our constitutional form of government. So our elected officials, they're saying it, and, and I think people are hearing it. And, and so the question is, but sometimes our elected officials want to contain our response. So please, you know, to me, if the issue is democracy, and it is, then shouldn't 50,000 people be at the Capitol every day of the special session? If, if Mayor Turner, a moderate political figure, the mayor of Houston, says Jim Crow 2.0, I, I agree. If it's Jim Crow 2.0, the response to Jim Crow is massive marches. It's civil disobedience. Um, the term good trouble was a term of which you, which has been adapted, adopted by our democratic establishment from the hero, uh, John Lewis. Lewis. Um, Representative Wright, the civil rights figure, that was civil disobedience. Um, and so at the moment, there's a bit of a disconnect and it's probably, you know, these things require high commitment and you don't want to sit home with your family and think, boy, I'm just in a struggle for the rest of my life for democracy and, and Jim Crow. Now there's large segments of the population would say, welcome to my world. Um, but here we are. And I think, I think the democratic rank and file, um, and, and it's important from, from the most centrist aspects to the, of the party all the way to the socialist left and beyond, there seems to be a general agreement that democracy is at risk. Hillary says it, Bernie says it, Obama, Mrs. Obama, Biden, Warnock, AOC, they're all saying it. So isn't the extrapolation if democracy is at risk that A, what we've been doing didn't work in not getting us here, and B, we ought to be trying something else, and C, that may well involve disruption in our own lives or changes to our own routine and an acceptance of a level of, of conflict. I don't use that word to say violence, although the other side is doing violence. Um, I think we need to think it out. And that, that process of thinking it out is, is, a, is a difficult one. That's why I wanted a rank and file activist on the show today discussing this particular issue, because I think you make it, I, I think what you're, what, in effect, what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the Democratic Party is saying that democracy is at risk, but you, right. you are not seeing the urgency from those on top to mobilize, to rise up to what this actually means, as we did, let's say, during the civil rights era and other eras where we did mobilize people in mass. Hell, we even mobilized people in mass with the uh, Black Lives Matter and, uh, and, and the... Um, George Floyd issue. We actually got right. folks out there in the streets and we got results. We had corporations acquiescing to BLM. Who would have thought? Right. So in, in, 
and and I don't like so in fairness to the elected because there's no um, we need to get past a Sanders Clinton kind of establishment anti-establishment um, especially when Sanders and Clinton agree on this point right uh, and and we don't need to be fighting amongst ourselves so um, taking the words of the Democratic establishment itself democracy's at peril and what then is the next step? And I don't know how you can, um, with, without being personally critical to anyone, if you spent your life advocating for this system and this system can't maintain free elections and it messed up the weather, our political and economic systems, that would seem to me to be a cause for reevaluation. Um, and I'm not going to tell you I have that answer, but I would say one one aspect of that answer is that we as rank and file folks from the from the Clinton centrist to the socialist. Um, it seems to me that the, the the Republican Party is not making distinctions. And so we elected um, we've been told over our political lives, vote for Bill Clinton. He can win. And he did vote for Joe Biden. He can win. And he did. The, the Democratic Party hasn't nominated an ideological outlier for president since George McGovern. The party establishment wins 98% of party primaries. Okay, that, that's, that's not a complaint, but we've done this and still the Republican Party thinks we're all, whatever it all is, terrible things. They're making up crazy stories. And that the FBI is saying right-wing terrorism is, is the highest domestic threat. And we don't even seem to be able to guarantee a free election. So it isn't working. In other words, Whatever. you're saying we do need a paradigm shift. I'm running out of time right now. Neil, right. why don't I, that my last question is always the same. Tell me something that you want to say that I didn't ask about. Well, I, I think you covered the, I, I think we need to engage in a ongoing philosophical, philosophy has to be matched towards action. Um, but we need to be engaged in a, in a kind of philosophical dis discussion is what is our next act matched with action that meets the pressures of the democracy crisis and the connected climate crisis. And I would say that we have to understand that there's no bottom line for the other folks and that the other side and that believing that doesn't make us radical. What, what's so interesting is that we're reduced to the point, I'm 53 years old and here I am reduced to the point almost of, hey man, just let me have a damn free election, let alone all the other, let there not be another crazy ass hurricane. You know, let's address that. So we've been reduced to these most elemental please almost for survival and i think we should we should really be evaluating and we need to be tougher on our own elected officials they're sitting on a lot of campaign cash a lot of organizational capacity and we at, when they come to the democratic club the organization we interview them we meet them as voters at the church at the school we need to say directly what are you doing for democracy will you show up if I march on the street, will a ton of cops come at me like we saw in many Democratic cities with the Floyd marches? You, the, the federal government says, my last sentence, the federal government says, 
we can't fix it, even though Democrats run everything. The Democratic uh, state legislatures now tell us, hey, these Republicans are really a threat to democracy. That's what the Texas Democrat elected uh, legislatures are telling us. Then at the municipal level, we go out and protest and there's a ton of cops. It, it, it just all isn't working. And I think that, that, that our freedom has to come from us. The work of our freedom is up to each of us and the moment seems forced upon us. Uh, Greg, <laughs> Neil Aquino, it has been my pleasure to have you on Politics Then Right. Houston, Texas, national political activist, and somebody getting something done. Thank you so kindly for being on Politics and Right. Stay the course, Egberto. Thank you for having me. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.